Thank you, everybody, for being here with us today. We're going to continue our theme of uh, peace. Last week, we already looked at a concept with, within the realm of shalom or peace, that inner completeness and wholeness that Christ brings to us or offers to us, at least, if we will accept it. We already saw last week that that he admits, though, that when you accept that peace personally, that that might cause strain or cause a, a, even severance to relationships that you had with people uh, in the world. And so I hope that that message was understood and well-received. I, I do think it could be misunderstood. I don't want us to be act like we are enemies with people, but I want us to have that mindset and understanding that when we come to Christ, then those around us are outside of Christ, and they are therefore on the other side, and we want to bring them to Christ, and we need to make sure that we keep that mentality. I hope you are able to maintain that concept, and you didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, uh, so he is acknowledging that there's a, that when you come to him, it can put up a barrier between the you and those who are not in Christ. So there's already within that lesson, there's a price to pay. When you come to Jesus, you might have to give. Today, as we continue to, uh, to think about this idea um, of that kind of severance of relationship, that we may have to uh, consider other price, other cost that must be paid when we come to Jesus. Today, the lesson is to pay the price, I must. Okay, so we're talking about the cost of coming to Jesus, the cost of having inner peace, the cost of having completeness and wholeness in our lives. It comes at a cost. It is offered to us, but we have to give up something or some things if we're going to be able to receive that peace that Jesus offers. So the the lesson begins with the reason we're here in Luke chapter 14 is because of a, a mention of the word peace in verse number 32. And that is where you know, Jesus gives this little parable that, hey, if, if a, a king is going out to fight, if he doesn't think he's going to win, then he's got to go to that the other king and ask for terms of peace, terms of shalom. I want to be in a right relationship, a whole relationship with you instead of fighting with you. So that's the term that brought us to this particular chapter. Then looking at this, we realize that there is, uh, I think you'll see that there is much in this entire chapter that talks about this idea of a cost to be paid. If you want peace in your life, it does not come without a cost. You have to be willing to pay the price. And so today we're going to look at these six things. And to pay the price of peace, to pay the price to receive shalom, then I must, and here are the six things. I must, one, give up self-exaltation. Number two, serve those considered the least. I must give up lesser things to gain the greatest thing. I must love Jesus more than others. I must carry my own cross. And I must renounce 
all my own possessions. And there's a test at the end to see if we're getting it. Jesus gives us something to consider. So first of all, to pay the price of peace or pay the price for peace, I must, number one, give up self-exaltation. Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 11. And now is uh, I'm going to make these points, and I'm going to read through the passage, and I want you to keep in mind what we've been talking about. And I want you to keep in mind, hopefully, um, your life as we've been going through these lessons. The point is, is really to consider, do we truly have peace in our lives? Am I really um, experiencing this wholeness and completeness that Jesus came to offer me? And he does offer me. Do you have peace? Do you feel whole? Are you being brought to completion because of your relationship with Jesus? Think about that as we read this. To to have that kind of peace, then number one, you have to give up self-exaltation. Luke 14, 7 through 11. And he began speaking a parable to the invited guest when... He noticed how they had been picking out, uh, picking out the places of honor at the table, saying to them, When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this man. And then in disgrace, you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you are invited, go and recline at the last place. Put yourself in the least position. When, you re- when you're invited, go and recline at the last place so that w- when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, folks, I know there are some of us who don't like the spotlight. We like to be be kind of behind the scenes or out of the way. But we, you know, there's none of us that just seeks to be humiliated. We don't ever want to be embarrassed in front of people, and that is possibly why many of us don't like to be out in front of everybody, because we're trying to preserve the the, the little bit of um, respect that we might think we have among people. It, consider this thought, the idea of self-exaltation, our honor that we seek, the way that we that we want to be perceived by others. None of us want to be looked down upon like we are less than anybody. We want to be respected. We want to be honored. And I want you to consider that that in and of itself is not what God is pointing us to. He wants us to give up self-exaltation. He wants us to put others above ourselves. He wants us to focus less on what anybody might think about us. And he wants us just to be in the business of 
putting others first all the time. We don't care about what people think about us and that they're going to, what are they going to think? Am I, are they going to look down upon me for any particular thing I do? He wants us to be motivated by putting others higher than ourselves. So we have to give up. If we want to have peace within, then we have to give up self-exaltation. We can't seek honor. We can't seek to, to look good in the eyes of others. Give up. It's something we have to give up. And I think it's something that we're all prone to. We all want to look good. And we have to give up that motivation. We have to be motivated by helping others, putting others first, honoring others. So number one, if you want peace within, most people think they're going to have peace within, if they can have the greatest honor, if they can be the, the highest person on the, on the ladder, or, you know, whatever it might be, give it up. There is a pot price to pay because that is never going to lead to peace in your life. It's always going to leave you wanting. But Jesus offers true peace, and you can have true peace by giving up self, by giving up your own self-exaltation. Number two. To pay the price of peace, I must serve those considered the least. So now look at verses 12 through 14. And again, think about your life. Do you have peace in your life? If not, then maybe you haven't given up this thing. And he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers, or your relatives, or rich neighbors. Other may also invite you in return, and that will be your repayment. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So consider this thought then too, you've got to serve those considered the least. This is a, this is a payment that you have to pay. This is a price that you have to pay is that you have to serve others, give up self-exaltation and then serve those who are considered the least, whoever that might be. That is the word of Jesus. So number one, if you want to pay the price for peace, then you must give up self-exaltation. Uh, you must serve those considered the least. And number three, you must give up lesser things to gain that greatest thing. So let's look at uh, verses 16 through 24. Another parable concerning a dinner and an invitation. But he said to him, a man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready. And you might think of the song, All things are ready, come to the feast. Verse 18, But they all alike began to make excuses. 
The first one said to him, I bought a piece of land and I need to go and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife and for that reason, I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to a slave, go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the slave said, master, you, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. Now, I consider this uh, as Jesus was speaking to to the Jewish people that, hey, you guys are invited first. And if you don't come to me. Then I'm gonna. Then I'm going out into the, into the other nations. I'm gonna go out and bring in the Gentiles. I think that's very much the application there, and what Jesus was talking about, and the application to us that we can see the reason that those folks didn't want to come to Jesus or they didn't choose Jesus is because they were choosing something less. And Jesus says, you know, if 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 you choose anything else, it's like you've been invited to this great feast and you were, instead of coming to the feast, you're going to go out and look at a piece of land. You're going to go look at a field. You know, that's not a smart choice. That is not a good comparison to pick up just looking at your new land. You can look at later to look at that land versus coming to the feast with this great feast that you've been invited to. It's not worth it to try out some oxen doesn't compare it's a it's a silly comparison and the last one it we you it's hard to say it's a silly comparison but it shows the point the last one is the man who has a new wife and says i need to spend time with my wife and but jesus's point is there is nothing that is greater than coming to the feast There is nothing greater than receiving what Jesus offers. Nothing greater. Anytime you're choosing something over Jesus, over coming to Christ, then you have given up a lesser thing. You haven't given up. You haven't paid the price. You need to give up the lesser thing to gain the greatest thing. So in your life, if you don't have the peace and the shalom in your life, if if you feel like something is missing in your life and you claim to be a Christian, then you've, we've got to consider, you know, maybe I really haven't given up everything that I need to give up and come to the feast. Maybe I'm making excuses that are not truly excuses. I just want them to be excused. I don't want to, I'm not doing something. I'm not bringing something to Christ that I need to bring because I'd rather hold on to it. If you want to receive shalom, then you have to pay the price for it. And that means giving up lesser things. Give up the lesser things so that you can receive the greatest thing. All right. So here we are with our our fourth, our three things so far, and we'll go on to number four. Number one, give up self-exaltation. 
And number two, serve those considered the least and give up lesser things in order to gain, gain the greatest. And number four is love Jesus more than others. Now, this isn't exactly what Jesus is going to say in this passage, but I want us to, to consider it and hear it and listen to it. And I think this is the essence of what he is teaching. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 and 26. It says, now large crowds were going along with him. And he turned and said to them, so now let just get in your mind, here, here is Jesus, and what he wants is people to follow him, right? What he desires is for people to keep coming to them, and there's a large crowd that's coming with him. You'd think he would encourage them and say, you're doing the right thing. You have chosen me, right? But listen to what he says in verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Now, that's a powerful passage. That's a powerful thought. That's, those are some words that will get your attention, won't they? What on earth is Jesus talking about? All these people following him, and he's turned around, and he's... He's basically going to, he's going to run them off with these words, right? Well, he is saying, you've got to love me more than others. Now, there are a few of you out there um, who will remember going to Garrett Street Convalescent Home when it was two blocks away from the church. We used to go there once a Sunday, once a month on a Sunday. And there was a man down there named Bob. He'd walk or walk, shuffle his feet around, and he'd walk, or walk along, and his head was kind of down a little bit. He'd come up to you, he'd find you, and he'd look up at you, and he'd, I think he'd reach out and shake your, shake your hand, and he'd say, you know what? And you'd say, well, what? what? What, Bob? He says, I love you. And then he'd say, you know what else? And then you'd, you'd say, what's that? And he says, Jesus loves you too. I don't know if you if you remember that or not, but that that was that was a striking thing to me. I remember him doing that. I don't remember anybody else doing that. Is that you know what? I love you, and to tell a stranger that I love you, and then to say, and you know what else? Jesus loves you too. That's a powerful thought. Now here's an, a little bit more because of this passage. We can add something to this. Lies with people necessarily unless they understand this concept but could you add the concept or that thought would say and one more thing you want to know one more thing and the thought would be this is that i love jesus more than you could you actually say that it, you can imagine going up to somebody and saying I, I love you and that you know what else jesus loves you too now, could you in your mind actually look at any person, though, and say, you know what, though, I do love you. And I, even though I love you and I want the best for you, I love Jesus more than you. That'd be easy to do for a stranger. But could you, is that concept true? Would you say that to your 
your own spouse or to your own children. Because that's really the concept of what's being talked about here is that ultimately, you know, when Jesus, thinking back to last week, when we said, when Jesus said, I, you, you think that I came to bring peace to earth, I tell you no, but a sword. Well, that concept is this, is that when you come to Jesus, the other person that you love very much, that you care about, they might not accept what you have chosen. And which will you choose? Will you will you choose Jesus? Or will you choose the loved one here in this life? Which will you, which if you had to choose, which would you choose? If you were forced to choose, if someone said, you know what, you need to renounce Jesus or else I'm done with you. Would you say, all right, well, I'll, I pick you instead of Jesus. You know, and that, that usually doesn't come about in our relationships, that kind of demand with the Jews when Jesus was preaching and teaching, that would have been an issue. And there are times, even in this day and age, that it would be an issue. Or it could be. So the question comes, is this true? Would you say that, yes, I love you, and yes, Jesus loves you, but you know what? I love Jesus even more than you. So please don't make me decide, because it, it, the decision's already made. I love Jesus more. That's the concept. Again, I don't encourage you to go around and tell people, you know, I love Jesus more than you. I love Jesus more than you. Now, now today, maybe we could look at each other in the midst of this teaching, and we could we could consider those folks who are on the screen in front of us, and we could tell, you know, tell back and forth. We could have this exchange. You know what? I love Jesus more than you, and we could all understand it. But the point is for us to consider. Do we love Jesus more than others? So the first couple of points were, do we love ourselves more than we love others? Because that, that can be a problem. We need to exalt others. And now we need to, the point here becomes clear that we need to exalt Jesus more than anybody else and more than ourselves. So that gets us, um, and that was the highlight at the very end of verse 26, Yes, even his own life. Anyone who loves anybody else, yes, you love even, even your own life more than me. You cannot be my disciple. Let's move on here. The next thing, if you, uh, if you want to pay the price of peace, then you must, or I must, number five, carry my own cross. Verse 27 says, Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's a high price to pay. No matter what, if by becoming a, a Christian, by deciding to follow Jesus, there are difficulties that will come. There is a price to pay. There may be persecution and there will be persecution. 
but pick up that cross and follow Jesus. Number six, to pay the price of peace, I must renounce all my own possessions. This is an interesting one here. I'm going to uh, I'm going to just go on down. There's a, there's a lot of good stuff in verses 28 through um, through 32, and I hope you'll read those and consider them and consider: Am I really ready? Have I considered the cost? That's the point. Have you considered the cost? Have you uh, done what you can to make a, to know you can make a commitment to Jesus? So, but this number six, this idea that if you're going to pay the price of peace, the price for peace, then you have to renounce, and the New American Standard says, give up all my own possessions. Verse number 33 says, so then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Give up all his own possessions. Some of the other translations, I really like this idea of, they translate it instead of saying, give up all your own possessions. It's the idea of renounce your own possessions. So it's it's not necessarily taking a poverty vow, but it's saying, you know what? This stuff doesn't belong to me. This stuff doesn't matter to me. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to use my stuff. That's not really my stuff. I'm going to use these things to bring glory to God. These things are going to be devoted to God. They're not devoted to me. These things mean nothing to me except for how I can use them, use them to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ, to the Father in heaven. So if you want to be complete and whole and to have shalom, then you've got to pay that kind of price. Um, let's look at 1 Timothy to kind of go along with this point. I want to go to 1 Timothy chapter uh, 6, verses 17 through 19. And, and this gives this idea of, you know, if you got a bunch of goods, you don't have to just get rid of them, but you renounce them as being yours, and you're going to use them to the glory of the Father. Some of you are, you know, I think uh, in our congregation, it's filled with givers, people who love to give. They don't care about their stuff but they're going to do use it to do some good to somebody else. And I think you guys are, so many of you are, you're just rich people who use your stuff to honor God. And I love that about our congregation. Verse 17 of 1 Timothy 6 says, instruct those who are rich in this present world. In other words, people who have a lot of stuff or a lot of money or whatever, to not be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. I think that's a beautiful thought, a wonderful thought. Use God's stuff that God has given to you, use that stuff to glorify God. In this age, because riches can just pull you away from Jesus. So, you know, thinking too highly of yourself can pull you away from Jesus. 
and leave you feeling empty. Um, putting others above Jesus and thinking too highly of others and loving them more than Jesus, that can pull you away from Jesus and leave you feeling empty. And stuff, things can can pull you away from Jesus and leave you feeling empty and broken and incomplete. But with Jesus, if you give your life to him, if you don't let others or things lead you away or yourself, serving yourself, lead you away from Christ, if you come to Jesus, then you can have that wholeness and completeness in your life. The test is in the last couple of verses, verses 34 and 35. Listen to this. Therefore, salt is good. But if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Hear the lesson. Understand this. Do people or things, and I should have put in there, or self, love of self, do people or things or self keep you from becoming what Jesus wants you to be? If you're not being salt, if you're not being used for the purpose that God wants you, if you're not becoming what Jesus wants you to be, if you're not being made complete and whole, then you've lost everything. Jesus wants you to be whole and complete. Don't let anything pull you away from him. You get pulled away from Jesus by your love of things, you lose out on shalom. You lose out on peace and wholeness and a well-rounded, a full life. So listen and hear. Here's the challenge um, for those of you who are in Christ, those of you who are saints, been sanctified in Christ. I want to encourage you this week to find a way to bring glory to God by giving up something important to you or using it to serve others. Bring glory to God with your stuff, right? Isn't that the lesson is that my people and God, they're more important than things. So find a, find a way to do something. Give something and use that, use that for to glorify God or take something you really treasure and love and use it in a way that brings glory to God. That's a wide open kind of way for you to to think and consider what you can do. And it will take some thought. But if you, if you do that this week, the next week come and be ready to tell the church how it affected you. Think about when you do that, use that thing, not for self, but for God for Jesus, how did it affect you? What did you learn? And if there's anybody out there today, you haven't been sanctified by Christ, you're still lost in your sins, then I want you to follow Jesus. I want to encourage you to take up your cross and follow him. And it sounds like a horrible thing to take up a cross and follow Jesus. And that's, you got to consider that cost. But if you will, that's the only way that you can find fullness and completeness in your life, where you can have truly inner peace, peace with God, peace within. It's a beautiful and wonderful thing. And the neatest thing about it, because we talked a little bit about our love for others, and even, even though you will love Jesus the most, that's what it means to be a Christian. And one of the things that it means is that you love Christ above all then he will help you love others 
more than you ever could have loved them on your own. So come to Jesus. There's a great incentive to come to Jesus because right now you, you, you love self, you love others, but you can love yourself in a greater way and you can love others in a greater way if you love Christ the most. Give yourself to him. If there's anybody who needs to respond in any way, we encourage you with this song. Find us if you need prayers, if you need to give your life to Jesus, respond to the invitation, get a hold of us today. Remember that and re respond as you sing this song.